we still offer them everything we have, but it doesn't mean they can kind of take what works and let go of what doesn't, Sure. you know? And so this is really kind of a broader concept of, don't we trust that our kids know who they are too? Welcome to the School of Greatness. My name is Lewis Howes, a former pro athlete turned lifestyle entrepreneur. And each week we bring you an inspiring person or message to help you discover how to unlock your inner greatness. Thanks for spending some time with me today. Now let the class begin. I don't know about you, but when around 3 p.m. hits, I find myself craving the right refreshment to get me through that mid-afternoon slump. New Pure Leaf Zero Sugar Sweet Iced Tea is full-flavored sweet tea, but without the sugar and the calories. It might take several bottles for you to believe that a delicious sweet tea can really have zero sugar and zero calories. But you know what they say, life is full of surprises. Or in this case, full of flavor. New Pure Leaf Zero Sugar Sweet Iced Tea. Try it to believe it. For 20% off your next 12 pack head to amazon and use promo code 20 pure leaf that's promo code 20 p-u-r-e-l-e-a-f for 20 percent off take your business further with the smart and flexible american express business gold card it offers flexible spending capacity that adapts to your business you can also earn up to 395 dollars in annual statement credits on eligible purchases at select business merchants that's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. Okay, quick math. The less your business depends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep, obvious. But with higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. So to reduce costs and headaches, smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required, accessed from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite and you're improving efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math. See how you'll profit with NetSuite. Backed by popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to NetSuite.com com slash greatness netsuite.com slash greatness again head to netsuite.com slash greatness welcome back everyone at school of greatness very excited about our guest kathy kasani adams is in the house so good to Hi, see you Lewis. so good to see you thank you for having me very excited about this uh zen parenting uh i feel like there's a lot of pain in the world today yeah. with parents one, because they didn't have parents who really were there for them emotionally yeah. to listen, to love, to connect in a way that they needed as children. Mm -hmm. Therefore, they learned certain strategies to protect themselves. Mm -hmm. They became parents, mm -hmm. had kids typically in their early 20s, mm -hmm. or late 20s, mm -hmm. without developing the tools of healing and therefore passed down strategies that they witnessed from their parents. Mm -hmm. Some were maybe effective in getting them good grades or accomplishing or uh, making money or whatever it might be, safety, but maybe didn't help them feel fully seen. 
One of my favorite parts about my job is that I get the opportunity to travel a lot. And in fact, I'm recording this right now while I'm in Mexico. And actually, I was thinking about something that I wanted to share because I get a lot of questions from so many people about different side hustle ideas. So here's one for those of you out there that are on the go a lot like I am or traveling a lot. When you're staying in your Airbnb on your trips, have you ever thought about how you could be making extra money by hosting through Airbnb while your home is vacant? If you're interested in an extra stream of income, Airbnb hosting is an easy place to start and it's like giving your home some company while you're away. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. When you get a new car or a new home, your first reaction might be to say things like, oh yeah, or I can't believe it, or booyah. But what you really want to say is the one thing that can get you the help you need. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm is there with the coverage you need for your car, your home, and even boats, motorcycles, RVs, and other things that matter to you. With a State Farm agent, you know someone is there to help you choose the coverage you need. With so many coverage options, it feels good knowing you can find what fits for you. And when you need ways to get help, State Farm gives you options there too. Too. in person or on the phone with your local agent or on statefarm.com where their award-winning app State Farm lets you do things your way. So when you need help protecting the things that matter most, remember to say, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. When you want the best, you have to act quickly or someone else will get it instead. Like when you're trying to buy tickets for the best seat at your favorite team's big game. Or when you're hiring for your business and you want to find the most talented people for your open roles before the competition scoops them up. With ZipRecruiter, you can find qualified candidates fast. And right now you can try it for free at ZipRecruiter.com greatness. ZipRecruiter's powerful matching technology takes center stage to identify top talent for your roles. Immediately after you post your job, ZipRecruiter's smart technology starts showing you qualified people for it. And I believe finding the right team member is one of the most important steps in setting up my company for success. We like to ensure our new hires will be a good fit before they're even on the team. So I am grateful that I have ZipRecruiter's help when we want to grow the team fast. Amp up your hiring performance with ZipRecruiter and find the best fast. See why four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. Just go to this exclusive web address right now to try ZipRecruiter for free. ZipRecruiter.com slash greatness. Again, that's ZipRecruiter.com slash greatness. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire fully expansive in their full potential and their authentic self. Mm -hmm. Maybe they felt like they had to prove things. Maybe they had to live up to parents' expectations. And therefore, some of that is still falling down on the next generation. Mm -hmm. I'm curious, what do you think is the biggest challenge with parents today who have mm -hmm. kids? Mm -hmm. The biggest challenge and also, we'll start with the, the biggest tool that you wish every parent could learn and master, mm. to have a better relationship with themselves and their kids. Compassion. Um, you know, going back to what you just said about we're raised a certain way and that's our experience. And we, a lot of us, you know, I, I talk to parents and they'll say, well, I turned out okay, so I'm just gonna do the exact same thing. Mm. Or I'm gonna remember what my parents said to me. And even, even parents who say, um, you know, I'm never going to do what my parents did. And then it just becomes an it. autopilot thing, right? Why Be is that? Well, because if you haven't, you know, launched into kind of a self-awareness place where you're really considering, why do I do what I do? Why do I say what I say? If you haven't, mm. you know, taken that journey and it's ongoing, ongoing, it never ends. But if you haven't looked into that, then of course you're going to do what was said to you. It makes complete sense. You know, you're going to, you, mm. whatever was said to you is what you will say because you're confronted with the exact same kind of situation. But the reason I say compassion is because 
you have to recognize that you that parenting is going to be messy and you're not going to say the right thing all the time. You are going to go back in time. You are going to say things that maybe you wish you could take back. Mm. You are going to have experiences that you wish you could do different, but that's all part of the process. And compassion is, okay, let me try that again tomorrow. Or let me recognize that I, like you said, I didn't get this when I was young. And so I'm having to build this bridge between, you know, not, not only am I having to be with my child, but I'm having to work on myself at the exact same time. Oh gosh. Right. And you're realizing all these things from childhood that maybe you didn't get and Absolutely. you got to heal and process. And Right. It's the greatest mirror. Like I felt like, um, before <laughs> I even had kids, like I just, I love laughing at myself with this because before I even had kids, I started doing all the self-help stuff. I started it when I was really? like 16 or 17. Yeah. Okay. My parents did a, like it's called something called forum. Have you heard of forum? Of course. When I would. Landmark, exactly. My mom did it for like 30-something years. Absolutely. I think my parents did one weekend. But they ended up coming home with all these books and tapes. So I was listening to Wayne Dyer. Uh I was listening to Brian Tracy. I was listening to all these things, like in my car, like tape. You know, I'm 50 years old. You know, it was like a cassette cassette tape. Exactly. Um, And so I've always been thinking about these things. And there's been fits and starts. But so I thought, and I'm also, I'm a teacher, you know, elementary school teacher. I am a social worker. I'm a clinician who works with kids and families. So I thought when I became a parent, this was just going to be, you know, just kind of like my experience with kids already. Sure. It's completely different because I am confronted with myself. What I was am, the biggest thing you had to face personally for yourself? Um, how they, let's see, how do I say this? How they made me question who I am how they made me question why I was doing what I was doing, Mm. how the structures that I had come up with for education and for work were very linear. You know, you do this, you know, we were talking about success before we started, you know, you make this choice, you get good grades, you get into this club, you do this activity, you move up the ladder. When I decided to get my master's in social work, I knew where I wanted to work. I worked at a hospital in Chicago, got my, my office. I took all the steps. With parenting, it's nothing like that. It's a lot of mm. um, being very present with your children, whatever they need in that moment, thinking that you have the best um, you know, sleep plan ever and they do not take naps <laughs> when you say, you know, right. I remember one book specifically and I won't say it, but it would say your kids should take naps at this time and this time and this time. It doesn't happen that way. Right. They're human beings. Yes. So it makes you question kind of your whole format for how you live. And, you know, I could launch into all the issues that I dealt with with my I had an identity crisis. I was, you know, raised by parents who were like, you can do anything you want to do. You can grow up and have this career, which I felt like I did. And then when I became a mom, it wasn't about me anymore. I had a very, um, I struggled with what, how I was, I was completely engaged and overwhelmed and bored to death at the same time because it was the same kind of thing. Same routine. Same routine. And I, and I knew that's where I wanted to be. I, I wanted to be a mom. Um, I have three daughters and I love them dearly and deeply and I love the choices I've made. But it doesn't mean that I didn't have a loss at the same course. time. My sister just had her first child and she's she she didn't think she was able to have kids for many yeah. years. She's, uh, she's gonna be upset if I don't know her exact age, <laughs> but she's 43, I believe. Uh-huh. And it was kind of like a miracle because for five years she was trying to have kids, couldn't mm-hmm. have kids. Mm-hmm. And she just kind of let it go. I guess, you know, I'm not going to have kids. Mm-hmm. And she was really saddened by this for a number of years. Mm-hmm. And then she got pregnant randomly. Yeah. And 
was kind of like, oh, wow, okay, I guess I'm going to have this child. And then she started to realize after many months, oh, there's going to be an identity loss. Yeah, there's going to be a grieving. Mm-hmm. Like I was planning to do this marathon and this triathlon and this thing, and I had these plans, and yeah. now those plans are gone. Mm-hmm. And before she had her child, um, this was like a month ago, she was like, okay, I'm just really unsure about how I'm going to feel about my identity Yes. as I have this child. Yes. And then over the last month, she's like, it's the greatest thing in the world. I'm so in love, right? Yeah. I'm so in love. Yeah. I'm like, it's all okay. I don't need to like get back to my things right away. Mm-hmm. But I'm assuming after a period of time, after a year of doing the same thing every day, mm-hmm. like you said, it was kind of boring, mm-hmm. right? It there was is. this boring sense, mm-hmm. this everyday routine. Mm-hmm. What do mothers need more than ever today to not be seduced by the charm of social media, what all Mm -hmm. these other moms seem to be doing. Mm -hmm. How do you create excitement and adventure in your life, Mm -hmm. but also appreciate the day-to-day moments of Mm -hmm. boringness? Yeah. Well, the two things that I think of, um, and again, I didn't, you know, my girls are in, they're teenagers, so obviously I've dealt with social media as a mom, but not in those early days. I didn't have it. I didn't have it. So, but I think the answer is, pretty much the same in that, first of all, you do need to have, if you are in partnership, I work with a lot of moms who are single moms, so this isn't always the case, but if you are, if you have a partner to start very early with sharing all the responsibilities. Really? Yeah, absolutely. It was something that with my husband, when we had my first daughter, we hadn't really, that was another part of the identity crisis where he kept going and achieving and I kind of came to a standstill. Yeah, and you stayed I, home and I he sure was did. out. I did. Mm-hmm. And again, my choice, something we had discussed, it, it, it's like, this is what's difficult. It's very paradoxical because when I talk about it honestly, it doesn't mean I would do it differently. Mm-hmm. It just means two things are happening at once. And with our first daughter, I, ha- I had a big, I write about it, but I had a break, big breakdown at about six months where I realized I was leaving for Target and I had to ask him if he would either watch our daughter or should I take her? I was asking permission and I had a big breakdown about why do you never have to ask permission to go anywhere? You just keep going. You just keep Mm. doing what you're doing. And I feel like my life is she and I, and you either come in when I ask or you don't, and then I'm left. And so it really began a conversation for us that is ongoing. We talk about it all the time because it still shows up. These gender norms um, these roles that we play, they're very ingrained. You know, I grew up with a mom, with a dad who worked and a mom who was a teacher, but she stayed home with us. And I knew that was something I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. And he had a very similar situation. So you really have to have an ongoing conversation about how do you want this to look? What kind of relationship do you want with your children? Um, what kind, you know, do you want them, do you want to be the one making lists and saying, do this and do that? Or do you want your partner to have the exact same experience as you do where they're learning on the fly? Uh-huh. Um, so partnership is one of them. And then community. I mean, I know that it, everybody says it takes a village to raise a child, but I can't say how important that is. If it be other family members, we didn't have a lot of family around us, but we had a little and then friendships and people who are going through the same thing, mm-hmm. other mothers where you can see the reality of parenting versus the social media aspect yes. of parenting, the day-to-day. When did it get to a point where it didn't feel boring anymore for you? Um, when it was like... Well, there's still aspects of it that are. because <laughs> You're dropping a kid off. You're waiting for two hours Absolutely. at a rehearsal. You're sitting there. Absolutely. You're on their time now. Exactly. 
Exactly. So there are parts of it that just are, you know, you have, there are things that you do that are repetitive and you're, you're committed to them, but there is a sense of, you know, you know, when, when can I get to go do my thing? I'm Uh focused on everybody else's, but I would say that when your kids are really little and they start being more, they're moving more, they're, you know, more social, maybe they're spending time with, you know, you have a play group, um, you know, you're, you're not bored anymore. Then you're super busy. I think the, the deepest boredom is, is when they're infants. And again, it's like, Sometimes it's wonderful where you're taking naps in the middle of the day with them or you're enjoying reading a book. It's really it's funny because every part of Zen is, you know, this book is part of its paradox that you don't get to have it one way. You know, you if you are having, you know, wonderful experiences often mean you're giving up another experience. And so you're making choices. And the hope is that you're going back and forth a little bit. You know, the hope is that you get to have both, but maybe not at the exact same time. Sure. Mm -hmm. What would you say are the uh, three biggest things that stunt children's growth Mm. that parents do today? Um, Not listening. Um, mm-hmm. having when children are telling you who they are and you say back to them either in some version, no, you're not, or you can't be that, or it's not okay with me. And you can see how that gets to be close to cruel. If a child is saying I'm this and you're saying, I'm not going to let you, that is a big, um, breakdown of connection. Um, I think, uh, another, uh, you know, we, I started by talking about compassion and I think that the reason that I talk a lot about self-compassion and, you know, having some grace with yourself is if you're practicing that, then you obviously can do that a lot easier right, with your you children. Compassion. Exactly. Yeah, of course. You know, so I think compassion is another one. And then, you know, we were talking about play before we started or you guys were and fun and humor. I think that one of the reasons I have enjoyed parenting is because I have tried to be fully myself in parenting. Um I think a lot of parents like to take on a role of parent and be a certain way with their kids. And then they're different with their partners or with their friends. And I have tried to be every aspect of who I am with my kids, which means I'm kind of I'm I don't know if they'd say I'm funny, but I, you know, I try to be funny. I dance. I sing in the car. They you know, I have my own style. I talk to them about I love pop culture. I talk to them about it all the time Mm. ad nauseum, you know, my music. And so I'm sharing with them who (laughs) I am. That's cool. Yeah, it's made. That's been one of those parts of parenting where I think, you know, we were talking about boredom or, or when things get difficult. I think one of the reasons it can get boring or difficult is if you're trying to be something you're not. Mm. I think it's it's been less of that for me. As I figured out, I'm just going to, instead of do the role of mom, I'm going to show up as myself as a mom. It's, it's, it feels different. Sure. Yeah. And what's the difference between, I guess, positive parenting and toxic parenting? Mm. Well, they're extremes and there's always something in the middle, right? Those are the binary, you know, toxic, you know, and positive. And I think they're not, not that we ever want to add toxic in. It's not that, but there are sometimes things we say that we didn't realize were going to hurt our children. Maybe there's things that we, you know, you know, talking about listening, sometimes mm-hmm. we are doing our best to listen, but we miss something and it really can offend our children or make them upset. And they may feel like that's toxic. You know, yes. that word is used a lot now, right? But really, we're in this situation, have, again, have some grace. I, I would really like to hear and understand. I just missed a point or let me sit down and rest for a minute so I can actually hear you and not be on the go so much. Yes. Um, I think positive parenting, you know, it, it's um, 
I think about positive psychology when I think about positive parenting in that positive psychology, the gist of it is I'm going to notice what's working. I'm going to focus on what's working. I'm going to pull from the strings of what's working. So instead of being with kids and figuring out what's wrong or worrying about why they're different or how do I get them to do this, I'm going to focus on what makes them them. Mm -hmm. And I am going to pull from that. And that's kind of, you know, again, some support that I offer parents is what do they love instead of they're not doing this or they seem anxious, but when do they thrive? Yeah. So do more of the things that support their growth as opposed to trying to fix the things that are maybe different or unique about them, right? Absolutely. Because we come into parenting with a dream, you know, I, you know, we come in thinking, This is how my kid is going to be. They're going to be like me. They're going to have my value system. Maybe they'll do my sport. Maybe they'll do my theater. And they may not be like that at all. Yes. And so how do we show up for this person in front of us? That's so challenging. I mean, this is, I don't know know if I was going to take it here, but that just unlocked something for me. Because you grew up in a certain environment in a certain way in your life. Mm -hmm. And... I can only imagine how challenging it is for parents if the kid doesn't grow up the same way as them or similar to them, right? Mm -hmm. Um, If they are trans or gay or gender fluid Mm -hmm. or any number of things Mm -hmm. that they're leaning into Mm -hmm. or they're becoming more of or Mm -hmm. choosing or being, whatever whatever they are. How do parents navigate the, when it, because I feel like when a child is not fully developed, mm-hmm. it's hard to make conscious decisions. Mm-hmm. When I was 18, I was mm-hmm. still not making conscious decisions. Mm-hmm. When I was 27, I wasn't making conscious decisions because yeah. I felt like I was really developing still from a wounded place. Mm-hmm. So I was choosing out of pain, mm-hmm. not from peace. Mm-hmm. I was doing things because out of like hanging on to something or trying to fit in or belong, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. not because it was fully my nature Mm -hmm. or who I was. Mm -hmm. And I'm, I'm not sure how to approach this. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm not a parent, but I'm not sure how parents can approach this Mm -hmm. when a seven year old says, well, I'm not this gender, I'm a different gender. Mm -hmm. When the brain is not fully developed Mm -hmm. or when something like that happens, Mm -hmm. not not saying it's right or wrong or bad, but How do we manage and navigate a child that's not developed Mm -hmm. that wants to change their nature into Mm -hmm. something else? Mm -hmm. How do do we how do we navigate that by not saying, no, that's not what you are Mm -hmm. and listening to them, Mm -hmm. but also putting some practicality into stages of life? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I I think it's like. it's like, okay, you, you can't have a tattoo when you're seven. Right. right? We're going to wait till you're 18. Then you can have tattoos all over your face. Right. If you want to do that, right? It's how do you navigate this? Because you're in the social working mm-hmm. world. You're in this experience with, with, with kids who are probably in pain, confused. Mm-hmm. Maybe they're clear and they're making decisions, but it's like, how do you navigate this? Mm-hmm. Because a lot of these things weren't as as present 20 mm-hmm. years ago, mm-hmm. right? Right. Well, and or there wasn't a space for them to share it. That's right. always Maybe the question. Maybe there was a shame that they yeah. couldn't share it, mm-hmm. right? That's a, you know, I hear that from parents all the time, like this seems new. And it's really not that new. Uh-huh. It's just now we have an environment where there's a, an opportunity to share who mm-hmm. you are. And I think I, I look at it from two sides. 
Number one, like you were talking about, a lot of us go into our adulthood and we do have wounding. We have an experience that was really harmful. It could be some kind of emotional abuse, physical abuse, or an inability to be who we are yes. and to show up the way we wanted to. So we kind of fit, fit into a mold. And that in itself creates a sense of not knowing who you are, misalignment, wounding. And so the hope is, so one part of it is when you're raising your child, maybe to not do that, <laughs> Don't you do know, that. Yeah, to, to not create that wounding. Uh -huh. And so they can not have to, I always think about, you know, us as onions, not have to unpeel all that going through, you know, instead of like, we're constantly working on what happened in childhood, maybe, you know, there's no way to get it perfect, but decrease the likelihood of these deep wounds. How do we do that? By listening to what they're telling us. Mm -hmm. Now, the, the thing is, is to your point, I, I can't speak for every child who is um, thinking about their gender or their sexuality or. So listen, we all know life is full of yada yada, like those quote unquote free trials that somehow still charge your card for something or when companies have those sneaky gotchas hiding deep in the fine print. And I know you've dealt with yada yada before, like those bills that keep going up and up for no reason at all. Or when budget airlines promise a cheap fare, but then charge you for every little thing until you realize you're paying more than you would have somewhere else. And yes, it is possible to outsmart yada yada, like triple checking airline deals to make sure all you need is all already included, but you don't take yada yada in life. So don't take yada yada from your wireless provider. Metro by T-Mobile has no contracts, no credit checks, no surprises, and nada yada yada. Stop by one of over 6,000 Metro stores nationwide. Want to make mom's day? Get to your Nordstrom Rack now and score amazing deals for Mother's Day, which is Sunday, May 12th. Find tons of gifts from only $30 at Nordstrom Rack. Fragrance, jewelry, Luxury bags, activewear, beauty, and more. Save on Kate Spade, New York, Stuart Weitzman, and Ted Baker, London. Great brands, great prices. So shop your Nordstrom Rack store today and treat mom to the good stuff from just $30. Whether you're making the same breakfast that you have every day or baking a cake for an extra special day, eggs are a staple in our diets. Eggland's best eggs are nutritionally superior to ordinary eggs containing more vitamins and 25% less saturated fat. Not only are they better for you, but Eggland's best eggs taste better too. There's a reason that they're America's number one eggs. Visit egglandsbest.com for additional information and delicious recipes. Or even just something about the sport they want to be in or, you know, it, it, I can't speak for everybody, but I feel like if they're telling us something, we show up and we listen and we do our best to walk through it with them. Does it necessarily mean not every situation ends up in something that is irreversible? Mm -hmm. Not every situation. Every situation is different. But I can tell you, you know, that I work with a lot of families who are walking with their children right now through things that they couldn't have imagined. But there's such connection in the family. Mm -hmm. There's such trust. Like what? Give me a couple examples. Of um, well, I have, um, you know, a few families that I'm working with who have transgender children and their ability to listen to their child, support them. And they are, they're older. They're not, you know, seven-year-olds. They're, they're older and they're, they're you know, late yeah, teens, in, yeah, teens. 20s, yeah. but the connection that they have, the relationship that they have created with their child, where their child knows, I mean, you, and I can't say it off the top of my head because I don't know the statistic, but the suicide rate yeah. for children who have, who, you know, who are transgender or even, you know, non-conforming as far as gender. Mm -hmm. um, 
is higher. Is much higher. Yeah. So what does that mean? What is that telling us? That's telling us that they don't feel like they belong. They don't feel like they fit in. They don't feel accepted. like they fit in. It's probably like 20 years ago, you know, with the, the gay community was probably Absolutely. higher suicide rates then. I'm, ass- I'm just making this up. Right. I'm assuming the suicide rates were much higher 20 years ago than they are today. This may be off. Right. Um, you probably know the statistics more than me. Because there's a space that's more welcoming right. today in right. general in society. Right. Right. It's a it's a more there's communities you can connect with and belong. Exactly. And you know, I think what it comes down to is in a lot of the work that, you know, we're talking about that we do, all this self awareness work and all of this, you know, consciousness work, is what do we come what do we figure out? That we're inherently good, mm-hmm. that we know who we are inside that we have a voice that tells us what's right or wrong for us, that we have this sense of peace internally. So doesn't that seven-year-old too, doesn't that 14-year-old and 18-year-old, and do we trust that, and and we still guide them with, you know, our, you know, the value system that maybe um, worked for us, or we still share with them the sports that we loved, or we still offer them everything we have, but it doesn't mean they can kind of take what works and let go of what doesn't, Sure, you know? And so this is really kind of a broader concept of don't we trust that our kids know who they are too? Mm. If that's what we learn about ourselves and it takes us all this work and unwinding, but then we're like, oh, wait, I can trust myself. Right. Who I am is a, is a good, decent person. Um, my choices have been important and valuable. This is what we're learning. So, and kids know this bigger. They, they right. understand this in, you know, especially when they're little, they kind of don't care what you think. You know, that's a lot of time. And I mean that with a great deal of love and respect. Sure. They're like, this is what I want. This is who I am. And it's in our best interest to listen. It doesn't mean we don't have boundaries. Sure. doesn't mean we don't have structure and, and possibly consequences for behavior. That right. is, you know, it, we don't throw out all of that. Mm-hmm. But there is a place where if we say to our kid, yeah, I trust, I know, you know, I, you're telling me who you are and I'm listening. Sure. I think that's what builds connection in families. <sighs> I hear you. <laughs> and I also know that if I didn't have like, Great discipline and mentorship and yeah. tough, tough love. We need that I too. I probably would have made a lot of poor choices. Absolutely. That might have affected the rest of my life. Absolutely. So it's kind of having that balance, I think. Yeah. It is. And, and that's why it takes a village too. Mm-hmm. Because one thing that I think about as a parent, I'll just talk about myself personally, you know, take the social work piece out of it, is my the, the way I think about my relationship with the girls is I want them to know that I have their back that I'm there, that I'm listening, that I'm not there to judge, but I'm there to support and help. There's all, and in these words can, you know, it's sometimes easier in real time to know what that looks like, but there's a lot of other people in their life. There's a lot, they have coaches, they have teachers, Mm -hmm. they have aunts and uncles and cousins that are also supporting, guiding them, holding them accountable. You know, I sometimes Mm -hmm. think about, you know, the amount of pressure that they feel, not just my girls, but everybody from peers, for them to have all that pressure at school and in whatever environment, and then to come home and have the exact same type of pressure. And have no relief. No relief. Nobody saying, hey, let's just sit down and talk about this. Because the <laughs> the thing that I hear the most probably when I talk about what I mean when I talk, you know, Zen parenting, is people think it means permissive parenting. That you just sit there, you just, just show up, be, let it be, just, let yeah. them do what they want. That's not it at all. Actually, when my kids were young, I was quite a strict parent. 
meaning my expectations were very clear. I was there were things that I expected them to do. There were boundaries that they knew couldn't be crossed. So but that doesn't mean I can't hear their perspective on it. I remember, you know, when my 12 year old came to me and said, I'm ready to see this rated R movie. And I was like, "Okay, tell me why. And she gave me all this information. And I said, yes, but not yet. Mm. Like, yes, I understand why you want to see that, but not yet. But you can see it maybe next year or maybe we'll go together when it comes out. You know, it was, again, different time. Things were not Netflixed all the time. Sure, you know, sure. but, no, she's you know, watching whatever she yeah, wants all day. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's not like that. But so I guess my point is, is I still had a boundary and it was uh-huh. still the answer was still no. Yeah. But I could hear her viewpoint on it. And, and she may have walked away a little annoyed, but at least she knew I was like, OK, that makes sense. You know, I'm hearing the, you. I'm not I'm just shutting you, you down right Absolutely. away. Absolutely. And she's not mm. wrong. Mm. But then that's the place where, like you said, you there were people around you that said, I hear you. I know what you want. But I also know that for your safety, not yet. Yes, but not yet. You know, I say that right. a lot. Yes, but not yet. Yeah. And how can I support, you know, the answer is no, but how can I support you in this? Right, right. We're not what else gonna, can we do? Absolutely. Yeah. Where else can we do something different? Can you get the book first? Can we, you know, I just, I think when we try and use fear or demanding or being the one who is always the disciplinarian, we lose the opportunity to have a relationship with our kid. Because the thing is, is I now have a 19-year-old, 17-year-old, and 14-year-old. 19-year-old and 17-year-old are basically adults. I know they're not full-blown adults. I know they have a lot more to learn. But I'm having to relate to them more as peers. And if my Mm. whole way of being with them was domineering and overriding and telling them what to do, they may not want to be coming home very much. No, they wouldn't want to come back. Yeah. How How important is it for the parent to reparent themselves? 100% over and over and over again. Really? You know, yeah. You know what you were saying about you're hoping that you don't have the wound anymore. I I totally stole this from Oprah. So this is not mine, but she talked about you think you're through something and then it shows up in different pants. Of course. I mean, I love that. And, And it doesn't mean that it's like something festering or something you should have looked at in therapy. It just means that you're constantly reparenting yourself because it comes up again in a different way. I was so good when my kids were little about separating my life from theirs. When they were struggling with friends or whatever, I didn't have, I didn't go into it with them. I would always say to parents, you know, you've already been through middle school. Don't go through middle school again. Just show up for them and be there for them and be, you know, separate. But when they got to be about 16, 17 or 18, I really was like, ha, huh. I felt like I was going through, I was having the same feelings they were having. And a lot of that, I really? tend to be very, um, as you know, Many people are in this field of work very, you know, empathic. I'm an empath. I feel what people are feeling. Um, and But it was really porous when they got older. And I had to work really hard to, you know, to make that separation again, to realize that it's not my job to go through it with them, which is very much my history. Mm. I wanted, I thought everybody needed me to have all the emotional experiences with them. I thought I needed to save everybody. It sounds familiar with you. I thought that if my emotions were not present for people, everyone was going to fail, which was never the truth. And no one ever said it. I just thought that. You felt that way though, yeah. So it shows up again and again. What was the biggest fear or wound that you had to overcome or heal since you've been a parent? Um, That I wouldn't be able to either have the right answer or help them with something significant. And and I think it even goes deeper than that, if I'm going to be honest, that I would somehow harm them 
or that they would get harmed on my watch. Ooh. Yeah, that's a that's still a real one. I have two drivers now. Um, that's they, not easy. They drive. Oh, yeah. that's tough. Yeah, it's hard, and they get frustrated with me when I'm you know in the passenger seat and I'm doing this. Oh, of and course, I'm, watch this. Right, watch that. Yeah. Watch it. And and they're like, Mom, you drive. I mean, my my husband does not do that. I do. But I'm like, this is a very strange thing to have you be in charge of a vehicle. And they're they're wonderful drivers. They did all the good things. Right. But in a moment of like, well, let me check my phone for a second. You just never know if you you're not aware. You just never know. So you got to be paying attention yeah. as a driver. Yeah. I think as a parent, one of our biggest fears is loss. Mm-hmm. And having them be harmed by someone else, by us unintentionally, oh, right. or by something we didn't look out for. It's, <sighs> yeah, it's the world. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Um, How important is it in Zen parenting with the person you choose to have uh, kids with? Mm. How important is it to to be in alignment with that person? And really what conversations should you be having before Mm. you have kids Mm. to create a Zen family? Mm -hmm. Um, I would say it's hugely important because you're going to be forever connected. So I obviously have a lot of friends now who are divorced and they how are... Many, how many friends would you say have been divorced since in the last 20 years ago that you knew that... It's 50-50. 50-50. Mm-hmm. And how many of those parents who are still married are happy in their marriage? Um, I would say... This is a weird... Two out of five? Two out of five are still happy. Mm-hmm. So 20% mm-hmm. of that... 50%. Mm-hmm. And I'm using like people that I'm thinking yeah, of yeah, specifically. Thinking of. That's not like a real statistic. Sure, in the world, sure, sure. But, but just of your experience. circle, mm-hmm. of your experiences, mm-hmm. of things you see, things mm-hmm. you hear, you work with a lot mm-hmm. of people. Mm-hmm. 50% have divorced. Yes. And then 20% mm-hmm. of the people still together mm-hmm. are happy. Are now, it doesn't seemingly happy. Seemingly yeah. happy. There are those other couples that, you know, those parents I'm thinking of, they have opportunities where they are, you know, they're choosing treatment together or therapy, but they, I can't say they're, that they're, they're happy. They're conflict or they're just not they're just sticking it out they're just sticking it out there's a lot of when the kids leave it'll be better yeah yeah so it sounds like the person you choose yeah to marry and have kids with is hugely important it is and you're gonna change so much after you have kids there is so i think in answer to your question if i was to sum it up you have to be the the hope is that you're with someone who is willing to talk about these challenges, uh, be vulnerable enough uh-huh. to say, I'm not doing this well. I need support here. Or, and also say, you are doing this well. Maybe you can help me or you can take that on. Like just the simple thing of the driving. I was able to say, I like to be good at everything. I want to be sure. like, but I said, you know, to my husband, please be their driving person right. because I'm not helping them. And I will do my best to calm that inner anxiety that I'm having. But I kind of feel like I, I don't want to do that on the fly with them. Can you mm. be that person? And that sounds like a very simple thing. But to be vulnerable enough to ask that, you no, know, and it can good. be much bigger than that, too. Like, you know, will you come with me? Will you help me? Um, right. I'm, I'm still struggling with this. Or I think the thing that I would give my husband a lot of props for is... He, if I see something that's going on with the girls where he's responding in a certain way, I don't say anything in that moment to create an art, you know, where it's like I'm pitting myself against him. But later I may say, when you said that to her, it sounded as if you were judging her. And he's very good at saying, really? Like he, he's not 
angry with me for pointing that out. And I'm also, it's easy for me to say, I'm not sure I'm right about You're that. You're also not making him wrong. Not at and all. judging him. Not at You're all. You're saying, hey, I noticed you said this yes. thing and I just wanted to be aware of it. It could sound like a judgment. It could. And that's which what makes, it sounded like to me. Which is more receptive to hear something like that from, you know, the partner's point of view probably as opposed to, you were such an just then, yeah. you know, you treated her like crap. You said yeah. this and look what you did. Yeah. And that's not going to go anywhere. It's not going to work. That's not Zen relationship. It isn't. Know? And especially if that's done in front of the kids. Oh, my gosh. Then they know who to go to for whatever it may be. Exactly. But that's the part of that. The reason he can hear me is that when he comes to me and says, hey, you know, I don't think you're paying attention to this. This is or are you sure this is right? I also say, I don't know. Let's talk that like I'm willing to hear where he's not sure my choices are correct either. Mm -hmm. So there's a willingness to do this. And I literally it's doing it together. You know, it's being it's holding each other accountable, but not in a competitive way. Sure. There's a lot of competitive parents out there. Why are parents so competitive and not collaborative? We've been taught to be competitive, don't you think? Isn't school competitive? Aren't sports competitive? You know, um, our workplaces can be competitive. And we think that's the way we demonstrate our worth. So sometimes even in our partnership, we want to be we want to win to show we're the most valuable. And, and I'm saying it very bluntly. I don't think anyone's literally thinking that as they're doing it. But there's a sense of, I want to be considered good. And so let me show you how you're not, Ooh. or you're not good at this. Well, let me show you how I'm better than. I'm better than that. Even if you're not bad, wow. let me show you that, I'm, that I can that do I'm, this. I'm better. Yeah. What happens to a marriage or to a family when the parents are in competition with each other as opposed to collaboration? Um. The kids don't know which way they're supposed to go. They're, um, the value system that maybe you're trying to impose has gotten muddled for them where they're not, maybe they'll show up one way for one parent and one way for the other parent. Um, I think probably the worst thing, the most general thing I could say is that they they will not go to the parents anymore. They don't want to cr- create more conflict between the parents. This is the other thing about kids. They want their parents to be happy. 100%. 100%. Maybe even if the parents aren't married, like even if it's a divorce situation, they want them to be happy because if their parents are okay, they don't have to take care of their parents. They can actually show up with to their parents maybe with their own issues or problems. But if they feel like their parents are struggling constantly, that creates a load on them. So, comp- so competition within the marriage or, you know, the parenting situation is hard for them. What happens to a child when they grow up and there's consistent stress between the parents and there's a consistent conflict, whether mm-hmm. it's a low-level passive-aggressive energy, mm-hmm. whether it's just a lack of affection mm-hmm. and real connection. Mm-hmm. What happens to a child when that is occurring in the parents? Mm-hmm. Well, you know, you probably know a lot about how the body keeps the score, yeah? Mm-hmm. So yes. there's a lot of things going on inside of them where they just have certain feelings or fears because you have to think about a childhood fear. Um, when your parents are in conflict, there's a lot of things that may come up for you, that your family will be unstable, that you'll have to move, that you'll have to choose between parents. Even if you don't understand it completely, you know there's something unsafe. You know there's something uncomfortable. So if you grow up in an environment where it's always contentious or where you're not sure who you can depend on, you kind of carry that with you. And I don't, it's, it shows up differently for all yeah. people, so it's not one way. But there's this internal anxiety about not having the foundational sense of trust with people where you may read something as, um, you know, someone may change their mind about something and it reminds it cellularly reminds you of something yeah. from your childhood where you 
you know, you felt that you couldn't, um, it wasn't foundationally sound. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I know that feeling. Man, yeah. it's yeah. challenging. It is. It's challenging. It is. All you want you, is for your parents to be happy. That's all you want. And peace. Because then you can be. Exactly. And this is what's so interesting is, you know, talking about parenting is we think that it's all about, that they're thinking all about themselves. There's a lot of parents who talk about my kid is selfish. My kid is manipulating me. And they can give me examples. I'm not saying they're not experiencing what they are. But there's a lot of like my kid is doing this to me. And really that kid is often feeling the exact same way about I can't be content because my parent can't get their act together or I can't trust what my parent is saying to me. Mm. And again, this is so hard to talk about because we're parents are always going to make mistakes. Sure, they're not perfect. We're not going to get it right every time. We are going to say something that's unsettling. We may miss a performance. We may forget to pick them up once or, you know, there's, and there's, you know, even more extreme things where sometimes divorce needs to occur, Mm -hmm. you know, where that can be so discombobulating to a kid. But this is the way that we're going to teach you about, you know, what relational health is, is we're not supposed to be together anymore. Yes. That can happen. But I think it's, you know, one of my teens just told me this recently. Um, it's not about what happened. It's about taking ownership of it. Can the parent actually say, take accountability for it and say, yes, what happened was difficult. I played a role in it. Um, here's the piece that I'm mm, taking, mm-hmm. you know, accountability for, taking responsibility for, so the kid doesn't feel like they have to carry it by themselves. All the blame. You got it. So how important is it for parents to take ownership and, re- and apologize to their children? I think I've been talking about apologizing to children forever. Not as a way to get it. It's not about having children like you. It's about the truth. If you made a mistake, if you did miss something, if you were late, if you said something that was hurtful, isn't that what we do as human beings? We apologize. So why is it any different with your kid? Mm. And, you know, something, a story I used to tell all the time because it was so, it happened so often, is, you know, maybe one day I wake up with my kids and they spill orange juice. And I'm like, oh, you know, that's no big deal. Let's clean it up together. It's no big deal. It's fine. The next morning we wake up and I'm, I've got an appointment. And I have somewhere I need to be and they need to get to school at a certain time and they spill orange juice and I yell at them. And I'm like, you guys need to get your act together. We're not using this cup anymore. <laughs> right. We're not, we're just doing water. We're so clumsy. Yeah, right. Yeah. So what changed? It wasn't them. Right. It was my experience that changed. So in that situation, later that night. Want to make mom's day? Get to your Nordstrom Rack now and score amazing deals for Mother's Day, which is Sunday, May 12th. Find tons of gifts from only $30 at Nordstrom Rack. Fragrance, jewelry, luxury bags, activewear, beauty, and more. Save on Kate Spade, New York, Stuart Weitzman, and Ted Baker, London. Great brands, great prices. So shop your Nordstrom Rack store today and treat mom to the good stuff from just $30. Whether you're making the same breakfast that you have every day or baking a cake for an extra special day, eggs are a staple in our diets. Eggland's best eggs are nutritionally superior to ordinary eggs, containing more vitamins and 25% less saturated fat. Not only are they better for you, but Eggland's best eggs taste better too. There's a reason that they're America's number one eggs. Visit egglandsbest.com for additional information and delicious recipes. I'm sorry, this morning, that wasn't about you. I was late. I was feeling pressured. So I got all upset and Mm -hmm. angry, and I'm sorry about that. All you're doing is removing the feeling that they did something that yes. because they didn't. That was our emotions. 
And emotion, I mean, another track, emotions are fine too. Mm -hmm. I was upset this morning. I still get upset. So I'm apologizing for maybe my behavior, but not that I got upset because mm -hmm. that's what human beings sure. do too. It's very layered, Lewis, yeah, as you course. can see. I'm curious, uh, Kathy, if for whatever reason I want to go back to the, sure. the, the circle you know of people who've been divorced. Yes, please. And because it's just it's curious to me. Yeah. How many of those people, again, just ballpark, mm -hmm. have gotten remarried mm -hmm. and had a second wave of children that have made it, mm -hmm. <laughs> that are not divorced, mm -hmm. and have made it and are happy in that second marriage with a second wave. Do you know any of those people? Yeah, absolutely. Most of them are men. Okay. Who had children again. Oh, I don't have, I have uh, actually two women that I know who had children because they got divorced early. Uh -huh. So with their new partner, they decided to have another child. But most of the time, because typically, again, we're speaking general in general, you know, general speaking, that divorces happen more when your kids are getting older, sure, maybe around sure. 40. And so yeah. a lot of times women they're, aren't having kids yeah, anymore, they're not yeah. having kids anymore. Um, so, but a lot of men tend to, if they get remarried, have another child. And I'm curious. Does, does having another child tend to make the relationship work better? Hmm. Or is it still, or is it just dependent if they've healed certain things and taken responsibility and then gotten a more conscious relationship, mm -hmm. then it works? What well, have you seen? Um, I would say that the choice to have another child um, you, it, 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 there's no bad or good. Again, sure. we're, we're living in the gray here, but it is definitely going to take you down a different path. Can you navigate that path? Which mm. is, we are now going to, it's not just going to be about us it's in this new marriage. New, yeah. We are a blended family. Cause that's another thing when you were bringing children from one family and another family, paying attention to those kids and how they are blending. But if you're bringing yet another child in, which can be lovely and beautiful, um, but as the new parents, you are now being, you are navigating a new relationship and you are raising a child. Many people can do that. Mm -hmm. You know, again, if we go back to what we were saying about if they're willing to talk about it, if they're honest with each other, if they can be vulnerable, if they can have self-compassion, everything is doable. Yes. But do I think overall having a child will make them more connected? Not necessarily. You know, I, I think that um, that they may stay together mm -hmm. because they have that child. But there is no, you know, as we know, there there is no perfect way to do there. There's no absolutes. Sure. Of you course. know, yeah, mm -hmm. of course, it seems like mental health, emotional health mm -hmm. and also physical health is a big challenge for kids these days. Mm -hmm. uh, obesity the percentage of obesity in children mm -hmm. is greater than ever. Mm -hmm. It's a third of kids who are now obese. Mm -hmm. uh, the, the mental stress, the emotional stresses that, that children are facing. Where is a majority of these things coming from? Mm -hmm. From a sickness in mental health, emotional health, and physical health. Mm -hmm. Is it from parenting? Is mm -hmm. it from society? Is it from social media? Is it from a lack of discipline? Is mm -hmm. it from, this is just how it always is and mm -hmm. it's coming out in different ways in this generation? Mm -hmm. What are you seeing? Um, it's all of the above. I would never say it's it's just parents because uh -huh. there's no way. I mean, their kids are being affected by so many things beyond their parents. Their parents can be their greatest influence, 
but you could do everything, you know, you could do everything we're talking about now, have a relationship, be connected, value your child, listen to them, and they could be affected by the outside world in a way you could have never predicted. Yeah, they could still be struggling. And, you yeah. got it. And, you know, to add to the physical, because you're talking about obesity, eating disorders are off the charts. Sure. And it's not just girls. I think it's the statistic. It's it's not 50-50, but it's a lot of boys and men, too. It's so, it's so interesting to see the dynamics. When I was younger growing up, I wanted to get bigger and stronger. Yep. That was like yep. the idea of like, okay, if I could just put on some muscle, mm -hmm. you know, then I'll mm -hmm. get the girl or then mm -hmm. I'll be accepted or I'll be cool. Mm -hmm. And now I'm seeing like these, you know, teenage boys being skinnier and skinnier yeah. based on, I think, a lot of stuff you see in music and movies and culture. Yeah as the kind of style, yep. right, for mm -hmm. these younger younger boys or younger mm -hmm. men to be extremely skinny yeah. as a sexual turn-on maybe for yeah. younger women. Yeah. And so now I'm seeing like, gosh, all these guys are so tiny. Yeah. You know, it's like, and it's, they like that, I guess, and yeah. they, they want to stay skinny, whereas like, I just want to put on muscle and I couldn't, I was too skinny. Yeah, you know? or you know, what I'm finding is there's a lot of boys who are still trying to be very muscular, but that's not what their body type is going to allow them to do. Meaning that then boys, um, you know, they're still trying to lift weights a lot, but not all body types are gonna end up looking the yeah. same. And so then they're trying to focus on controlling something. So it could be something like calories or I'm not gonna eat as much. And when you look at pictures, you know, if, when you look at pictures of boys and men, there is an unrealistic standard, especially yeah. with the stomach. And the, the shredded six pack. The shred, it's, un, it's so hard. It's so, and not everybody can look like that. Yeah. You know, a lot of, especially in the world of, you know, talking about physical health, a lot of us are like, if we work really hard, we'll be like this. Not no, every body not. type. Right. But kids don't know this. I mean, if there's anything when it comes to social media that we could focus on is talking to them about that these, this is not true for everybody, that this is not real. It's the same with porn. That's another mm -hmm. thing. This is a fantasy, a male fantasy. This is not, you know, this is not what sex is. This is not what women, women really want. look like. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Look like, yeah. Exactly. So these conversations, like, again, this goes back to why it's so important to have a relationship with your kid where instead of being afraid of you or not trusting you, they actually look to you because they know that you have their back. Yes. So they're like hearing all these things from their peers and they're like, well, it's not that they're going to say, you know, it, they're going to listen to their peers, but you still have an impact rather yes. than them being like, I disregard what you say. What do you think is the bigger challenge, the mental health, emotional health, or the physical health? Four kids. Well, they're all combined, but I would say their mental and emotional health is really, really challenged right now. This this time, I haven't seen anything like it. I've been a therapist since I was 27. And so like five years. Or... <laughs> exactly. Just a couple of years yeah, ago. Yeah. Um, but I have never seen anything like it. And, and I don't say that to be scary. I just, you know what the part of the definition of Zen is looking at reality. Mm. What's reality? Like everybody thinks Zen means to be chill. It doesn't. It's like it's pay attention to what's happening. Everything changes. Everything is connected. Pay attention. That's what Zen is. It's mm -hmm. like actually rather difficult, right? Because we don't want to pay attention. No. But the truth is, is that children are struggling with their mental wellness. And your question before is, you know, what's causing it? A lot of different things. But I feel like what is the antidote or what can help? Relationships. With parents or with... Yeah, definitely with parents. I think that's a number one because they were the ones who are, um, again, most influential in their the lives. Guides. Absolutely. Having 
other people they know they can depend on. Like when my girls mm -hmm. turned 13, I had a party for them. It was called, we called it their 13 year old party where I invited over a bunch of women in my life and women they know. Yeah. That's and cool. It's so cool. And they sat around and read my girls letters and talked about things that they had done at 13, mm. things that they wish they would have known. And then they said, just so you know, if you can't go to your mom for something, you can come to me. That's pretty cool. Right. And I had my niece who was 16 who was there. I had, so Something I've told my girls that they have 100% permission to do mm -hmm. is if you can't come to me, here's all these people you can go, go to. Go to anyone else here. Exactly. Because then that, that helps with the sense of belonging. That helps with the sense of I'm valuable and important. Um, that helps with them not feeling. Loneliness is another epidemic. More with boys and men. Um, but why, is it, why is loneliness more with, with boys and men than it is with women? Um, because you guys don't have the emotional language to share how you're feeling. Um, you guys don't have the permission to be vulnerable. The acceptance. The acceptance. Yeah. Um, when you do have the ability, like you do, to be mm -hmm. vulnerable, and you have people around you who you can be vulnerable with, but that's not always reciprocated by mm -hmm. other men, and so obviously, you know the conversation can stop really quickly. Um, you guys don't have the social. It's not a social norm. It's becoming more of one. Mm -hmm. It's changing. My husband runs a men. He runs a men's group, and the reason he started it was because I would go out with my girlfriends for like 30 minutes and come home and be like, and here's what's going on. And you know, she told me this and she's having great success here. And he would spend a weekend with his guy friends and come home and not know a thing. I'd say, how are they doing? How's the kid? I don't know. Yeah, we just went to the bar, yeah. played sports or yeah, yeah sports. watched the game. Absolutely. He, got, he had no information and he felt empty with that. So he wanted to create relationships with men where they That's could cool. connect. So, you know, this, it is, it's, it's an epidemic, but we are, even this discussion mm -hmm. and letting men know they're not alone in being lonely. Like, I think men think <laughs> they're the only ones. Yes. So that's why I'm not going to speak about it. And, you know, same, same with boys. When I did uh, my last book, The Masculine Masculinity, I was on a tour and a few hundred people would come to each event, right? Mm -hmm. And it was typically around 50% men, 50% women. Yeah. And I would ask the audience, I would say for all the women in the room, raise your hand if at least once a week you connect with a girlfriend yeah. or your mom or sister or a girlfriend and talk about your life, yeah. your insecurities, your vulnerabilities, your challenges in your relationships, your yeah. work or your your identity issues, or your, 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 your body image issues. Yeah. And just raise your hand if once a week you do this, ladies. Mm -hmm. And almost every woman in the room would raise their hand mm -hmm. in every city around the country, right? Mm -hmm. And I'd go, keep your hands up if you do this every day. Mm -hmm. Every day you're on the phone with someone, you have a tea with someone, a lunch, and you're talking about it even for 10 minutes. Mm -hmm. Pretty much most of them kept their hands up. Every day mm -hmm. around the country, women are talking about their Absolutely. life mm -hmm. and opening up. And I go, okay, for the men in the room, raise your hand if you once a month Get together with at least one guy friend mm -hmm. and talk about your vulnerabilities, your mm -hmm. insecurities, your body issues, your shame, mm -hmm. your guilt, mm -hmm. your relationship in a vulnerable way. And there maybe be like two or three guys mm -hmm. out of like 150, 200. Mm -hmm. I go, are you guys part of like a monthly like mandatory church group? Right. That's like, it's often in church. You yeah. get this together mm -hmm. and pretty much they're like, yes, they're kind of like laughing. Yeah. And I go, raise your hand, guys, if you do this once a year. And most of the guys would never raise their hand. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I go to the women in the room, what would it feel like if you only got to share once a month 
or you only got to share once a year with mm-hmm. someone how you felt, mm-hmm. or you never got to share, mm-hmm. because most men never do. Mm-hmm. And they keep these things to the grave, how they're mm-hmm. feeling. And the women are like, I, I couldn't survive. No. I'd kill myself. We'd implode. I'd kill mm-hmm. myself. They'd be exactly. like, uh, that's not possible. Mm-hmm. I'd go crazy. Mm-hmm. And i go, well, mm-hmm. imagine what's happening to a lot of the men in your mm-hmm. life who don't feel safe space. Mm-hmm. And I think the challenge is most I hope, I'm hoping it's shifting, but a lot of the younger women say they want their men to be vulnerable, mm-hmm. but they don't have the emotional ability to witness a vulnerable man. Absolutely. And then therefore they're like, I don't feel safe if I'm freaking out. If you're crying and you're broken down, yep. I can't break down. Mm-hmm. And so don't do that again. You know, they're, yeah. they're not available to like embrace mm-hmm. uh, a, mm-hmm. a 21 year old, 30 year old, 40 mm-hmm. year old man mm-hmm. because they haven't worked on receiving accepting that and seeing that as a healthy conscious and really sexy thing yeah you know and i think if mm-hmm. if if women can learn that with their male partners it can be a lot more harmony in yeah. relationships which would create more harmony in marriages which would create more harmony in parenting exactly it's it's that is how it goes it cycles gender norms you know, I'm writing this book, so I did this section on gender norms, mm-hmm. but the majority of it is about men and how the gender norms are hurting you. Absolutely. I mean, obviously, I talk about misogyny and I talk mm-hmm. about what we're dealing with in this culture. It's all real. Again, reality. Absolutely. We have to look at the truth. But, but men oh, suffer exactly. a lot. We, we, men die more. Exactly. Men commit more suicides. Exactly. Men do more manual labor. Men exactly. are more in prison than exactly. women. Men, men have to take on wars and are dying of wars or exactly. taking on this physical and emotional pain. I'm not saying women aren't taking on their right. own pains. Right. But well, there's a reality of, that men don't live as long. Absolutely. For certain reasons, you know. And I think some of men's pain is often what, and when I say what they do to women, what I mean is it's this cycle. It's because they're not able to heal and accept it exactly. and they can't express themselves. Exactly. And it's not okay, but that's where anger and reaction exactly. comes from. Mm-hmm. Imagine, like, well, if I go back to the women in the room, I go, imagine you didn't get to talk about this all year, how you feel. I, I go crazy. I'd kill someone. i kill my, you know, it's like know. you hear these things. Well, why do you see guys shooting up the world, you know, exactly. when they didn't have a space to have healthy conversation? Yeah. Not as saying it's okay or agreeing with the reactions of men or right. the actions, but there's a root behind that. Absolutely. And, and women got to start seeing men as vulnerable beings as well yes. and allow this space Yes, and not look at it as a turnoff in an unsafe environment. Because yes. otherwise, the man will never want to be a turnoff to a woman. Mm-hmm. will never want to create a moment of tears and be, able to be like, suck it up. Stop crying. Why are you crying? Why, be a man. Mm-hmm. You see this on the Johnny Depp thing. Oh, yeah. Oh, or, yeah. or what's her name? Amber. Amber Heard. Yeah. She's like, don't be a little crybaby. Yes. Don't be a baby. Why are you crying? Be a man. Suck it up. No it's one like, will believe you. Mm-hmm. No one will believe you. You're mm-hmm. being a little baby. Mm-hmm. I didn't hit you that hard in the face. It was mm-hmm. just like a little whatever. Quit being a baby. You're so weak. Mm-hmm. No man wants to hear that. Right. So why would a man ever be vulnerable if the person they love mm-hmm. is telling them they're weak mm-hmm. when they're vulnerable? Absolutely. That's what's ruining a lot of relationships. And it's hurting men. And I'm not saying like men are doing harmful things as well. They're mm-hmm. like saying these things that are not healthy as well or conscious. Mm-hmm. But I'm telling you, if, if men learn to heal yes. and if women create a space for men to heal, the world will heal. Absolutely. Well, and it's like I'm talking to my husband. These are the conversations yes. we have all the time because he is always representing 
the he's very open to he's raising three daughters we talk about women's issues all the time yeah he's got to he, be vulnerable he sensitive does. and listening and welcoming and he here, does. I'm here for you and i got you and and he needs to hear our history you know the, because this is because everything you said is true i agree with everything mm-hmm. and what women are often coming to the table with is do you know our history right. and how we were hurt? Right. And if that, we've been hurt for decades, and centuries, yeah. and yeah, all these things. And if you can hear us with that, and you believe us, and mm-hmm. you can, you're never going to be able to be us. You're never going to be able to stand in our shoes. But if you can say, "I'm going to listen to your story," and the fact that you you live in that and still live in that, of course, that you see that is challenging. <laughs> Beyond, you know, challenging is not the right word. You see how our day-to-day experience is challenged, then right. then women have that. Because I feel like a lot of times we are fighting of, you know, who's struggling here? Who's, who's suffering we, who's more? Who's suffering more? <laughs> it's crazy. And we both are. And yeah. that's the key is the vulnerability of being, a, we're, we're using that word again and again on purpose yes. because all we're saying is the truth. Mm-hmm. Just tell the truth. And can you hold my truth in a sacred way? And not shame me or yes. make me wrong. Both not sides, use it against women, me. Yeah. And this is, and, and talk, you know, talking about sacred partnerships or partnerships that last, that's it. Right. Can I, can I be all of myself, all of my emotions, mm-hmm. my scared part, my, my competitive part? Can I be all those things in front of you and with you? And do you accept that? This is why I think understanding our minds and our emotions is one of the hardest things to understand. It's taken me a long time to get to a, a, a basic foundation of it, right? Yes. Um, and I was telling you before that, you know, I've, I've created multiple relationships in my life mm-hmm. and I, and I made a, a decision. I was like, the next relationship I get into, it's going to start with a coach, a therapist, a mentor, yep. creating exercises for us, having emotional accountability and allowing us to continue to heal individually yep. within the relationship so mm-hmm. we can hopefully thrive in a harmonious environment. Yes. And it's been a beautiful journey to be in therapy every two weeks in a new relationship and also do it individually and then also do it together mm-hmm. because the emotions and the mind can always play tricks on us they sure can. and could rule our lives if we allow it. Mm-hmm. I remember growing up feeling crippled by my emotions for weeks, mm-hmm. sitting in the fetal position and my mm-hmm. college dorm room because mm-hmm. my ex-girlfriend didn't want to get back with me or mm-hmm. something, whatever. Like the emotions were so strong mm-hmm. that made me immobile. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know how to navigate or process mm-hmm. in a healthy way. Mm-hmm. And I think if we learn the art of emotional regulation yeah. and integrate the healing process, it's just going to make us better humans yeah, individually or in relationship or in parenting. Exactly. Do you, and I'm sure, have you read Susan David's book about emotional agility? Know, she's great. I've had her on. Yeah, okay. She's amazing. So that language, it's agility. Incredible. It's incredible. I know because like I've always talked about emotional regulation. You know, we have to, it, and it means something similar, but agility, the ability to move in yes. and out. I get such a visual when she talks about that. Mm-hmm. The ability to be in this space and that it's okay to be in this space, but then the ability yes. to come out of it in a different situation or to realize you can come out of it. This And, that, and you don't feel ashamed for being in it in the first place. And, you know, I feel like therapy with couples is like what you're, and again, I kind of always see things as pictures. What you're doing is you're creating space around your relationship so you have room to grow and change. Because one thing you're going to do in a partnership is you're going to grow and change. Yeah. One person might grow or grow and change a little earlier mm-hmm. or differently or faster. It's not a competition. Nobody's getting ahead of each other. But can you allow your partner 
to, de- to become all of themselves mm-hmm. in your presence if maybe you're still in a different, more idling place? And are you supportive of that? Because you guys are going to change. And that I think that's, you know, we were talking about divorce before. I think there's this unwillingness to allow a partner to grow and change or a fear. Let's you know, call it what it is. I'm afraid. You're not, you, you don't do what we used to do. Right. You're interested in different things. You would have never been friends with this person 10 years ago. And instead, it's, I love you. And again, this is a big part of emotional agility and regulation. I'm afraid. It's uncomfortable. It's uncertain. But I trust you. Can we talk about it? Can I share with you how I'm feeling? And can you hold it? It's just very, um, and that's constant and ongoing. And that's a big part of parenting, too, mm-hmm. with our kid. They're growing and changing, and it's scary. You know, parents will say to me, you know, their 14-year-old kid, they'll say, well, they used to want to go fishing with me when they were 10, and they don't want to go fishing. Right. Like, they're not 10. Right. And what they want to do now is so different, and can you allow them to grow and change? They'll come and go. They're, they're, they, they need you, but not in the same way that they did when they were fishing with you. Mm-hmm. So it's part... It, the, the thing about this that's nice, and I, you do these conversations all the time, you know all this, it's all the same universal principles yeah. with ourselves, with our partners, with our friends, with our kids. So we don't have to be different. We don't have to learn a new set of rules. We just do the same things. Doesn't mean it's easy. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's difficult, but. What is, the, what is something you wish you knew before you became a parent that you know now? Like if you go back and tell yourself yeah. a couple of pieces of advice before you had your first kid, what would that be? Um, the same thing, that, that it's the same answer that my your first question, um, to be more compassionate with myself. I have been someone who's wanted to achieve and succeed and be good at things. And I've always had, you know, there's ego in, in it, some of it healthy, some of it not. And that I felt that it should look a certain way and feel a certain way. And if I can do this or that, this will never happen. And that's just not what it's like to raise human beings. With human beings, there's more surrendering. There's more forgiveness and grace and acceptance. Um, and and I loved all of that before, but it's so different when you feel like you're holding these people's lives mm-hmm. in your in your hands. You literally are when they're little. You know, you're feeding them, you're carrying them. Yes. And that it's not going to go perfectly and that that's part of it. And can I practice my own sense of, mm-hmm. you know, and, and self-compassion, you know, you know, it's not just yes. a word. It's being present. It's treating yourself like a friend. It's realizing you're not alone. Um, it really is a process. Mm-hmm. And I wish, because I spent a lot of years being hard on myself is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. You know, and I still am sometimes. But I wish starting earlier, I wouldn't have been so racked with, I should have done this. Or oh, really? Yeah. You were kind of blaming yourself yeah. a lot. Yeah. I went to bed a lot of times thinking... Or I went to bed frustrated about things that couldn't be changed, like, why am I bored? Uh, See, I wouldn't have said that before. When my kids were little, I wouldn't have owned up to being bored because then I'm not a good mom, right? And I remember the, you know, the first, the cards that I got after my daughters were born and everyone's like, isn't everything a blessing? And aren't you so happy? And isn't everything great? And I'd be like, like, I'm kind of bored. Yeah, I'm kind of bored. And it's not. And I'm kind of in pain and I'm kind of alone. And I kind of am not doing my career. And I didn't feel, we need a card that is more honest about, isn't this challenging? And you miss this and you miss that. But then the truth is everything that your sister said is true. Uh You fall in love. You wouldn't have it any other way. But that's what relationships are. Sometimes they force us kind of out of our old boxes and we become someone completely different. 
Man, this is so fascinating. Zen parenting. I'm excited about this. I hope people get a few copies of this. Send it to your, your parent friends who are messed up. <laughs> Send it to your friends who have messed up kids. You know, all of them. All or, of them. or healthy relationships. Send it to people. Uh, Zen parenting. Caring for ourselves and our children in an unpredictable, uh, unpredictable world. And I think um, a lot of people forget to focus on their health, their emotional, mental, spiritual, physical health first. Exactly. And they neglect themselves to be selfless for the child. But I think it's actually very selfish to do that. If you're not taking care of yourself at the highest level, you're not creating a symbol of what's possible. You're Absolutely. not creating a model of the way life should look. Exactly. It shouldn't be, I'm sick, I'm emotionally unwell, I'm exhausted, I'm drained, I'm mentally unstable. Right. Because I'm a parent and I have this child. It should be, I've got to figure out in a messy way how to make it work so that I'm taking care of myself in this journey as well. Exactly. I always tell parents, um, children don't learn by listening to your words. No. They learn by watching how you live. Everything. They observe it. Everything. You are role modeling everything. And that means that you can get sad because show your kids what sadness looks like and, and what tools you use to get through it. You can go, you can grieve. My dad died five years ago. I had a long grieving experience. I still get sad sometimes. I thought about him on my way here. Mm -hmm. He would have loved this. Um, but, and that's okay. I talk about that. I have tears. They watch it. Mm -hmm. They know it's okay. Mm -hmm. And so it's not about show them how to be happy all the time. It's show them how to be a human being. Yeah. That's, that's the goal. That's beautiful. You've got uh, this book. I want people to get the book. Yep. You've got ZenParentingRadio.com, yeah. Zen Parenting on Twitter, Instagram, Zen Parenting Radio, and all the places online. Um, how else can we be of support for you? I would say the best place to find me is on the podcast. Okay. So my husband and I do a podcast together called Zen Parenting Radio. We have been in the business as long as you, uh -huh. about a decade. Longer than me. Yeah, yeah one yeah. year longer than you. And we have these conversations that you mm. and I are having every single week. Sometimes we have on thought, you know, thought leaders and experts, but most of the time it is, he's a much more pragmatic, logical thinker. Uh -huh. I am a much more, you know, spiritual, emotional mom. And how do we do this in harmony? And we do. I think the feedback we get the most about Zen Parenting Radio is I hear you guys struggling with things, but there isn't, uh, there, there's still kindness. There's still yeah, listening. We don't, compassion. Yeah. A lot of, <laughs> a lot of people who listen are college students and um, couples therapists, you know, recommend it to people. That's cool. So it really isn't about, we always say it's not really about parenting, even though it is, it's really about how to interact with other human beings. That's cool. Um, so that's probably our biggest place. That's cool. Mm -hmm. Zen Parenting Radio Podcast. Mm -hmm. uh, this question I ask everyone at the end is called the three truths. Yes. So imagine it's your last day on earth, many years away, hypothetical scenario. You get to live as long as you want, mm -hmm. but eventually you got to turn the lights off mm -hmm. and go somewhere else. Um, and you get to accomplish and create and be anything you want to be for the rest of your life. But for whatever reason, you got to take all of your work, your content with you. Mm. Everything you've ever said, it's gone, mm -hmm. right? But you have three things you could share with the world, three lessons you would leave behind or three truths. What would you say are those for you? Uh, number one definitely would be self-awareness is essential. The practice of self-awareness, I don't think I've used two words more in my lifetime than Self-awareness is the first step toward everything else. Uh, number two would be grace for yourself and also noticing it in the world, noticing that there's grace everywhere, that even in the most painful times, there's always something beautiful, even in the most painful times. 
And I would say the last one would be humor. Mm-hmm. It's things are funny. I I have gotten through life, uh, you know, just talking about our podcast again. The way Todd and I get through challenges, the way that I get through challenges with my kids, um, we have some good laughs about it. That's you good. can bring humor to everything, not at someone's expense, but just about things are things are nutty. Yeah. Like let, let's just call just it what fun. it is. Have fun. Have fun. Humor is healing. It sure is. It's it is big for me. Time. Yes. Yeah. That's beautiful. Well, Kathy, I want to acknowledge you for your mission Thank and you. your work Thank and you. your realness about talking about the, you know, what's what was true for you about motherhood yeah. and and losing an identity or shifting an identity, let's yeah. say, and then uh, also for how real you are now with your kids being older and mm. being willing to talk about these things so openly, consistently, and yeah. teach. Mm-hmm. It's really inspiring because a lot of people are suffering. A lot of people are going through challenges. And I think there's more parents than ever are suffering in silence without the tools, without the training, without the uh, opportunities for healing and growth. Mm-hmm. So I'm really grateful for your message and your mission and for your your way of being in the world. It's really inspiring. Oh, that's lovely. Thank yeah. you for that. I appreciate that. And right back at you. I appreciate it. Mm-hmm. Um, my final question, what's your definition of greatness? My definition of greatness is alignment. I love the word integrity. You know, integrity meaning that the way I'm feeling on the inside is the way I'm showing up on the outside. And if we can go through life with a sense of alignment and integrity, everything feels good. Yeah. You know, everything, you know, the, someone we talk to on the street, our work, um, being with our children, we feel like ourselves. I don't think there's anything more important than feeling like yourself. Mm. That's where joy comes from for me. Yeah, there you go. Mm-hmm. Thanks so much. Thank Kathy. you, Appreciate Lewis. it. Thank you. Thank Amazing. You. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and it inspired you on your journey towards greatness. Make sure to check out the show notes in the description for a full rundown of today's show with all the important links. And also make sure to share this with a friend and subscribe over on Apple Podcasts as well. I really love hearing feedback from you guys. So share a review over on Apple and let me know what part of this episode resonated with you the most. And if no one's told you lately, I want to remind you that you are loved, you are worthy, and you matter. And now it's time to go out there and do something great. Want to make mom's day? Get to your Nordstrom Rack now and score amazing deals for Mother's Day, which is Sunday, May 12th. Find tons of gifts from only $30 at Nordstrom Rack. Fragrance, jewelry, luxury bags, activewear, beauty, and more. Save on Kate Spade, New York, Stuart Weitzman, and Ted Baker, London. Great brands, great prices. So shop your Nordstrom Rack store today and treat mom to the good stuff from just $30. Whether you're making the same breakfast that you have every day or baking a cake for an extra special day, eggs are a staple in our diets. Eggland's best eggs are nutritionally superior to ordinary eggs, containing more vitamins and 25% less saturated fat. Not only are they better for you, but Eggland's best eggs taste better, too. There's a reason that they're America's number one eggs. Visit egglandsbest.com for additional information and delicious recipes.